Gosh, this is so awesome, man. I never in a million years thought something like this would happen. Out of turn number four come the most powerful weight models on the planet, the world of outlaws. I call Scott my dad, and uh, <laughs> nothing like the best in the business, breathing down your throat your first outlaw win. Welcome, everybody. Episode number nine of Stick Signals, and man, what? a weekend at the last great coliseum at the bristol motor speedway that is behind us now but we're going to talk about it here in just a little bit but real quick uh now joining us in the beginning of the show how about this mike warren mike my friend how are you doing doing pretty well you know still still recovering from bristol a little bit it was a fun but long weekend but hey we're ready to go Got a little bit of a break for us, though, before we get moving again. Yes, I agree that this weekend break, I mean, I if we need it, uh, could you imagine the teams, how much they need? And they, they have a lot of things to repair and get ready for uh, Richmond and Brush Creek. But Mick, my friend, how are you doing as well? I, I'm exhausted. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> that That one extra day, that one extra day just killed me. It really did. And and race fans, by the way, we're just going to be completely honest with you right now. Let's get this out of the way. Today, it's going to be our good friend, Rick Eshelman, the voice of the World of Outlaws, Morton Buildings Late Model Series on here. Me, Mick, and Mike will uh, break it down for you on the news and notes that we have. But honestly, how you said, Mick, with that Sunday uh, makeup day, I mean, a lot of us traveling back on back home on Monday. For God's sakes, Mike Warren, you drove all the way back to Vermont. I mean, <laughs> how long of a drive yeah. was that, by the way? So, it's 14 total. I did four after the races after, I, I, I don't know if you, you saw this. I was the last one out of the speedway. Literally, I had to get the security guard to come and let me out. Yeah, you got locked in. <laughs> and then uh, I, I made it to a hotel in Harrisonburg, Virginia, and then went the final 10 hours yesterday. Wow, that is crazy. And obviously, Mickey went back to North Carolina, and I did too. I went back to Charlotte that night and flew out early in the morning. By the way, I had to do homework and all that stuff that night. I got three hours of sleep and came back, and I've just been absolutely busy with school. But guys, um, yeah, I'm going to be honest. For listeners right now, today's going to be short and sweet. Coming up on episode 10, I promise you guys, me, Mike, and Mick already have plans to come up. We're going to talk to a lot of drivers, and it's going to be a good episode next week. But nonetheless, this is still a good episode because Rick uh, gave us some pretty good stories. But guys, let's go ahead and get to um, – some news and notes here. I just want to throw this out there. This has nothing to do with Bristol. It's just Chris Madden. Wow. Like literally Mick, obviously we talked to him in episode two when he won his driving extreme dirt car series championship. That team is fresh. How we said that team barely developed a Cherokee last year before Charlotte, they go and win the, the, you know, the driving extreme dirt car series over the, the off season. And then when we announced that he was on tour, that was at Smoky Mountain, which, by the way, was Smoky Mountain. You really don't count Cherokee because Cherokee was only show-up points. You have two nights of Farmer City, and then you have two Bristol races. That's only five races that he went from 12th to 3rd in the points, and he's only 60 behind point leader Brandon Shepard, which we'll also touch on. But, wow, my, that's my first note. Chris Madden is hot right now. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you, for only two races he missed were Sunshine Nationals earlier this year, which makes it even more impressive. The crazy thing, though, he was actually there at Sunshine, but he just wasn't eligible for the provisional. It's kind of like the Kyle Bronson story at Farmer City. He was there, but didn't sign the pipe paperwork at that time. He didn't sign the paperwork until till, uh, Smoky Mountain. So, yes, you're right. D- did he just miss one race then, or did he miss, miss two shows? Uh, he missed one. And that was the one missed one. Yeah. Still, that's remarkable to come to make that that many places. And then, I mean, at Bristol, man, he was coming there Sunday. 
Yeah, he was coming there on Sunday. And obviously, Chris had a good run there in March. So the confidence for that team is high right now, only trailing 16 points. Um, I'll talk about the point shakeup here in just a little bit. But guys, um, hello, Brandon Shepard is the point leader. I mean, uh, <laughs> did we write the check now or no? No, no, it's way too early. I agree. Uh, Mike, your thoughts? Absolutely not. I mean, look, this weekend, Strickler had a little bit of bad luck in the era. He might still be the point leader. I mean, you talk about unfortunately not making weight in the heat race kind of set him back pretty far and it put him in the position he ended up being in on Friday yeah. night, which we'll touch on a little bit later, but you, you can argue he wouldn't have been in that spot if that had happened, but Strickler's only 20 points back. You get a DNF, something happens to the one machine. All of a sudden you're talking Strickler's back in the point lead with a top three finish. Right. And so they, a lot can happen. We got a lot left to go. And they finished like 13th and 14th on Sunday. So I, I feel like those guys are going to be running around each other all season long and then Madden's right there hunting them. I talked to Kyle after the races and uh, I told him like <laughs> you were catching Shepard on that outside groove like what was going through your minds when you pass this car that's two points that's two points that's more points that you're just <laughs> getting a Shepard he's like oh yeah you know it so yeah Kyle I mean man that team was so bummed especially after the weekend they had at Farmer City going in to be light at the scales but remember Shepard caught a lucky break too he wasn't even supposed to be in the redraw that one night and they got in right. the redraw so that that helped Shepard too but yeah, that's going to be interesting. It's a 20 point lead for Shepard Strickler in second Madden 60 behind Kyle Bronson had a good weekend. I have not talked to Kyle yet. We do need to find this answer. We'll give you that in episode 10. Um, if he's going to stay with us, he's fourth in points guys. He was sixth entering the weekend. He is now fourth 72 behind tied with Tyler Bruning, by the way, because Bruning is also 72 behind he's in fifth. And obviously we're getting ready to go to Bruning's hometown here in just in a few weeks. Uh, Ricky Weiss, man, he needed a good run. He got a good run that final yeah. night. Yeah, He really did need a good run. And he was, man, he was fast all day on Sunday and, and, He's kind of, I don't know if he used his tires up or the track just changed enough that he fell back there at the end. Well, how about the job by his crew also, guys? He switching out the rear yeah. end in between, about an hour in between yes. that heat race and the Morton building speech. It's funny. I'd had a set up a little video shoot with him. We were going to get just a brief little piece of footage, and I was going down there before the feature to film it, and uh, Dana came riding by. I said, it's not a good time, the guys that pulling the rear end out. So, yeah, like literally in no time they had that thing swapped, though. Yeah, it was pretty impressive, and, man, I'm glad they got it fixed before that so they could uh, keep their pole position so ricky weiss uh sixth in points by the way he actually dropped one spot in points but don't push the panic button it's only by four points he's minus 76 four points off fourth as as i mentioned bruning and, and bronson are tied uh dennis herb jr tough weekend for him obviously blew an engine they had to switch yeah. cars. He dropped three spots in the points. He's seventh now, trailing Shepard by 90. Daryl Lanigan moved up one in the points, uh, something he really needed after running fourth there at Farmer City and not being able to finish there. He's eighth in points. And Kay Dillard, guys, ninth in points. Yes, he dropped one um, this past weekend. But remember, he was running fourth that first night, then blew a tire and destroyed a car. So they decided to start and park uh, that last night at Bristol. But if you think about it, if he wouldn't have blown the tire, he would have, he would have been pretty good uh, there that first night. He was pretty fast in practice, if I'm not, if I'm thinking right. Yes, he was. Yeah. So Lanigan, uh, eighth. Dillard, ninth. Bloomquist didn't move up or down. He's tenth. Ryan Gustin, guys, remember he moved up three during the Farmer City weekend. Ryan Gustin, uh, he finished in the fourth, right? The fourth, that first time. I mean, Ryan Gustin did really good. He moved up three during the Farmer City weekend. He moved up one spot after this weekend. That's four spots just in four races. The Reaper is coming. Uh, Mikey said it best. 
Fear, uh, don't fear the Reaper because he's coming. And then uh, Boom Briggs dropped down one. So that's your top 12 currently in Outlaw points. Now, one thing I want to talk about with the point standings, though, you were talking about how Dennis Herb had some bad luck and fell three spots. We just want to remind everybody, everybody from fourth on seventh back is only 22 points apart. Yeah. Or excuse me, 18 points apart. Yes. It's not like this can't change over one weekend. Dennis Herb has a couple of good runs and those guys ahead of him struggle. We could be talking about something completely different in a week's time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And this is why I say don't write the check yet because it's only a 90 point difference from first to seventh, literally it's 106. I know that sounds like a lot from, from first to eighth, but it's really not. It, this points battle is pretty tight and I, I'm just getting this feeling guys that 2021 is going to bring a good points battle. And I, I think we're going to see it, especially with this upcoming swing. So we're off for a weekend. We come back and get ready for three weekends, which we'll talk about more in the next episode. Uh, breaking news, obviously, um, Chase Younghands, unfortunately, off tour. We talked to Chase in an episode earlier on Stick Signals. Uh, had a very good crew at Volusia. He had a lot of lot of guys helping, but then lost two. From the time that we got to uh, Smoky Mountain, he told me, you know, it's just a lot of work. He told me at Farmer City that he wasn't going to be at Bristol, but he said, don't really say that yet. We'll see. We might be there. Nope, off tour. So unfortunately, Chase said he's going to try to get a team built up and come make a run for it again next year. So that's uh, really all the news and notes I got. Mike, Mick, what you guys got? Bristol is relentless. I Yeah, I mean, I agree. One thing I do want to point out, everybody at Bristol – Motor Speedway was very friendly. The staff from Lauren, their sound guy, to Drew and Trey, uh, they were super friendly. It's a top-notch facility, and I'm really happy we actually raced in the day. Some people are going to probably say you're crazy, but I think it turned out to be a pretty good day race at Bristol. It helped the track slow down a little bit and create some side-by-side racing. I I was one of the ones preaching this on Sunday afternoon. You know, at first, obviously, you're bummed out. You want We wanted to race Saturday night. There's no question about it, but at the end of the day, I was glad it got moved to Sunday because I think the better show was on Sunday afternoon and it was a great event. And, you know, there's a lot of guys moving up through the field, which we'll get to in a little bit. But, for example, Ricky Thornton Jr. comes from 21st to 4th. That's not going to happen, I don't think, on on Friday night. Exactly. And, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So, Mike, what else do you have? Well, you know, you just look at, especially on Saturday, a lot of hard chargers through the field. When it comes through the entire day, I think Jonathan Davenport passed more people than anybody between the LCS and the feature event getting back up into the top 10 but you look at the 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 couple guys there was a lot of passing on sunday not so much on friday night but what i do want to point out is it was a good weekend for predictions to come true (laughs) for some of us (laughs) (laughs) did i not say last week on the show that the winner was coming from the front row in both races yes yeah you're right you nailed that yep you did and i just want to say i'm gonna take my cake and eat it too on this one (laughs) (laughs) well sooner or later we'll have to have some crows so (laughs) all right so we're gonna have to start keeping score of this mike warren won and uh mick zero ruben zero all right that's fine all right obviously we can't make no predictions this week I'll, i'll tell you what no one wins this weekend with the world of outlaws late model i mean no yes. way no one wins this weekend it, nobody will win this weekend yeah no one will win this weekend you're right but i'm i'm already willing to make a prediction about the next weekend oh my already all right let's hear it well i think we're gonna have two guys that have never won a world of outlaw race at both tracks uh, i mm, I, mick you know what i think we're gonna get a point <laughs> i think we're gonna get a point i think, I, I, I really so? don't agree <laughs> with that statement but hey you just never know you never know oh, no 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 Hold on. I did not specify. I meant at those tracks. Well, first time winner at those well, tracks. That's true because it's going to be the first yes. time in 15 years that we don't go to, to one of them. And it's the first time that we go to one of them. So it makes sense. 
Yeah, that's exactly my point. Yeah, I figure I can't lose. Ah. Oh, okay, ah, okay, you that, okay. That you meant a first-time <laughs> series winner like Mike Spatola and Bobby Pierce last week. You know what it is? He's he's messing with our sleepy minds. He is. He I is. We would have caught it otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a pretty bold prediction. All right, I got you then. But uh, guys, let's touch real quick on the Dirt Car UMP Modifieds. David Stremme, a perfect night. I mean, honestly, it really seemed to whoever got it the perfect night really won with the mods. Uh, although there was a lot of passing and a lot of battles on the speedway, but David Stremme. Fast time qualifier, won his heat, drew the pole, uh, one uh, flag to flag. Strickler, same thing, second night. So, uh, yeah, you know, for Kyle, let's just touch on that. And Mick, I know you really want to touch on this one. Kyle Strickler obviously uh, didn't have the night he wanted in a late model after being light at the scales. It all just, you know, went downhill from there. But to go out on the mod, uh, get a second win in a mod, by the way, at Bristol this year. I mean, Bristol has treated him really well to get another sword in a $10, 10K paycheck. Yeah, I mean... You know, it's it's like a topper to a, a really shitty weekend, right? I mean, he was fast. Yeah. As, he, I mean, he's laid down a lap, right? A lap for qualifying on Friday and three pounds light scale, and we won't make any excuses. Three pounds lights, three pounds light. But for reference, that's about a quart of gas, right? <clears throat> and everything that's, just started, yeah. started to unravel there. And then, of course, in the feature on Friday night, uh, Jimmy Owens had that unfortunate, uh, unfortunately lost the left rear, and then Kyle just man jumped him like a, it was the X games or something, which, um, I talked to him after the race, his wrist was pretty sore, put some ice on it, but, uh, yeah, bad, bad weekend and topped with a win. So I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm curious to see what his takeaway is, um, a week after the fact, and we're going to talk to him on the next episode, I believe. So we'll find out how he's yes. feeling. Yeah, and Kyle Hammer, great weekend for him. Can't wait to see him with the Dirt Car Summit Racing Equipment Modified Nationals this summer. Finished second both nights. Ryan Ayers is another guy that had good nights. Finished third the first night and finished fourth uh, the second night. Chris Arnold had a good one. Um, Mick, I, I want to. I, I I know I, I, Mike. I don't want to bring you in on this one because I, I don't. I don't know where your modified knowledge is yet. I mean, you're fresh to the late model scene, but Mick, I know you know about this guy, Nick Hoffman. Do we push the panic button on him yet? Yes, he won the Dirt Car Nationals. I mean, he finished fourth the first night, finished seventh the second night. I mean, is is he on the struggle bus right now, or was it just Bristol? Uh, it's, it's, I think it's just Bristol. I mean, that if I'm not mistaken, that was like the first chassis, right? Was that chassis 001 or something? Jordan Jordan was telling me that that was one of his older chassis and he wanted to win with it and bring it home and and kind of retire it. But, yeah, the performance just was not there for Hoffman this weekend. Um, just sort of an average driver. So we know we could expect more of him, out of him later this year. But, yeah, I don't know. It's too early to hit the panic button on anything. It, it really opinion. is. It really is. It's too early in the season. And, again, Bristol's just a big curveball. you got to qualify well. By the way, Hoffman did, only did one qualifying lap and broke a rocker arm the second night. So that put him behind already. He finished seventh. So, yeah, I agree. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just a good field of modifieds. So got to thank all those teams for coming out. Uh, they got an invite. A lot of good things happened there. But it just kind of seemed like if he did good the first night, uh, you weren't going to do good the second night. Stremmy wins the first no. night, finished 24th the second <laughs> night. Strickler finished uh, 23rd the first night, won the next night. So it was either good yeah. or bad, except uh, some guys that were consistent there in the middle. So I just wanted to touch on the Dirt Car uh, UMP modified division there just a little bit. Uh, good weekend for those guys. They put on pretty good shows. Uh, Mike, what was your thoughts on the mods? Well, you know, as soon as I heard where Stremmy was starting on Friday night, I had a feeling how that was going to turn out. And, you know, the same thing with Strickler, you know, you, you start Strickler up on the pole, he's going to be tough to beat no matter what car he's in. But for, from what I did get to see of the mods, of course, 
the mods ran after the World of Outlaws late model, so I was already uh, knee-deep trying to write a story and have to watch it at the same time. But from what I got to see, yep. it was some pretty good racing up there. I would like to say that I, I was I was really surprised by the Durkar UMP modified guys. Uh, Sam runs a tight show. We all know that. and But his guys were in line. I mean, they everything was tight. They had no mechanical failures. There was nobody out there that was a squirrel. Everybody was at the driver's meeting participating. And, and I just, my hat's off to the those guys because they they showed up and they were professionals and it it really showed all of them were happy to be there every single modified driver that i talked to was happy to be there and and i gotta give a shout out to evan taylor and jonathan taylor the 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 brothers from pennsylvania (laughs) those guys literally put a smile on my face every single time we talked and i just i want to give them a shout out because uh not just them but everybody in the dirt car ump modified world was happy to be there and yeah hats off to sam josh jonathan they all the, the all the dirt car officials they did a phenomenal job uh this past weekend at bristol motor speedway and i can't wait to kick things off with the dirt car summit racing equipment modified nationals coming up in june at the brownstown speedway so guys touching on the dirt car ump modified winners and stuff let's going to talk about what happened with the world of outlaws morton buildings late model series uh josh richards picking up a big win how you said mike you predicted that uh that that aged very well and obviously devin moran uh yeah we talk about richards and moran winning but those were two pretty big wins mike they were of course Anytime Josh Richards wins right now is going to be big because it extends his lead in the all-time wins list. He now has 78 overall. And, you know, coincidentally, you know, you mentioned in the post-race interview about, you know, the first one always being the best. Well, this was a track, Bristol Motor Speedway, kind of like where his first win came at Lebanon Valley, a high-banked sweeping racetrack, and that's a half mile. So it's kind of fitting that he picked up another another victory. Yeah, and he also said something very interesting. Uh, he said, man, I grew up watching Bristol, and if you fans watched my asphalt career, it was no good. So to win at Bristol on dirt was phenomenal. Another interesting stat, too. I, I could be wrong, but I believe he has more wins at Bristol than his car. <laughs> he does. <laughs> that's that's true. Love Clint, but hey, that's that's another thing. But going now switching gears to Sunday's win, you know, Devin Moran passes his dad, Donnie, on the all-time wins list. Now officially, Moran, Devin with six wins, picked up five at Durkar Nationals earlier this year, and he's carving out a heck of a season. But I know that meant a lot to him to pass his dad. Yeah, Strickler obviously coming into the weekend as the only repeat winner with the series. Well, Devin Moran does that after getting a win at Volusia. And he told me, well, I remember interviewing him at Volusia, and, and I told Devin, Devin, you tied your dad for for wins total wins of five with the world of outlaws and he's all like let's pass that son up <laughs> you know what I mean? was, or he said pass pass the old man or he said that it was funny so if you know Devin, he's all humor he's all jokes and fun i love Devin, and i told him they should just come on tour but they've already missed too many um yeah so Devin getting his sixth world of outlaw win passing his dad the million dollar man which by the way he was there Devin's sister was there it was a whole family a deal it, it was really good for Devin, and i we're going to talk to Devin in, in the next episode uh, how we said this Monday just really set us back. But uh, we're going to talk to Devin because when it started to rain, everybody was loading up that Friday. Everyone or Saturday, everyone was loading up and everyone was like, let's get out of here. Devin was the, one of the, well, him and Brent Larson. Brent, he's a true racer. He'll, he'll race. But Devin was one of the last guys to load up. And I went up to his hauler and I was like, I li- you know, Devin, I like this. You're not loading up. And he's like, well, we're here to race, man. We want to get the show in. <laughs> like, we, we don't we don't ever know we're going to come back to Bristol. and and that mentality carried on to Sunday on him getting it yeah, a win. He's having a big season. I, th- I think he's going to have quite a few more this year. Uh, yeah, I called it back in January. He's one of the hottest drivers in the country right now. Obviously won the Dirt Car Nationals, got the Big Gator, uh, second win of the season with the Outlaws. That's big. And he gets a Bristol sword to go in it with it. I, I, you know, I don't know how many cool trophies are left, <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, there you go. That that's actually a pretty big trophy. I mean, you, uh, we we actually got to bring this up on a, on a episode coming up. Best trophies for the world of outlaws because you used to have the USA Nationals. USA Nationals is really cool, obviously. Um, the firecracker that that one is very neat. That's coming up. I don't know what Boone is going to have. I I don't know, but look, we're not we're not going to get too into detail on this, but we'll bring it up in a Let's future episode. That. Yeah, Let's... we're going to do that. Here's a segment coming up in future Stick Signals episode for those of you listening right now. The coolest trophies to win, and then we'll talk to drivers and get their opinions. The coolest trophies to win in the world you of know, outlaws. We'll have to go up to Bloomquist's shop because oh. I'm pretty sure I think he has all of them in there except for the Roman sword. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, literally, Mick, me and you went to Bloomquist's shop last year and did some cool stuff there. And yeah, the the trophies there is just absolutely unreal. Make sure you clarify when you say went to Bloomquist's shop and did cool stuff. It was uh, for work. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, that's yes, because yeah, we saw the video <laughs> that went viral. We all saw the extracurricular yeah, video. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, we no, not that kind of stuff. We, we went cool, <laughs> cool content stuff. I'm glad you 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 uh, brought that up. We could also talk to Billy Moyer. Billy Moyer has a lot of great trophies in his trophy case as well. Ruben, did you have ice cream up there in the booth? I did not have ice cream. I heard so. Uh, me and I was there ice we cream. We had like. Oh, we had unlimited supply of, of ice cream. Wait, there was. Wait, where was the ice cream? There was cream? a freezer right there by the uh, by the water cooler in the the media center. Did I just miss this? <laughs> they they needed me and Rick to test our audio up in the booth, and then uh, by the time we finished, it was already about four twenty five, four thirty. It takes twelve. No, it takes nine minutes. Sorry, to walk from the tower to the infield to get food. So r- really, round trip, it's about twenty minutes. So we, we we would never go back down to the infield once we're in the tower. That's the one thing about Bristol. That place is huge, and my mm. step count. I'm telling you what, it was it was yeah, up there. Yeah. That's for real. <laughs> I'm not big time like Mike where I get a golf cart. Golf cart? Yeah, I don't think anybody had a golf no. cart this week. <laughs> no, nobody had a golf cart. I'm just I'm just I just like to uh pick on Mike. But by the way, me and Mike did have a good conversation. He picked me up from the airport and we went all the way down to Bristol. So uh yes, Mike, thank you for that, my friend. No problem. As always, I'm sure that's not gonna be the last time this year. Oh no. Well, guys, it's definitely not gonna be the last because we have an off weekend coming up with the World of Outlaws Morton Buildings Late Model Series. Uh a lot to catch on Dirt Vision, but we'll talk about that later. Uh we got set for the Richmond Raceway, Brush Creek uh in Ohio. So Kentucky, Ohio coming up next weekend, and then uh, obviously the hot guy 100 boone that's going to be fun because boone always races really well and then mississippi thunder speedway then we have an off weekend then we go to port royal to see our full schedule like always go to our website but yes um off weekend man these teams need it we need it we got to recharge and we'll be back how we said race fans next episode have a lot of drivers but uh real quick mick we have a couple sponsors to thank obviously stick signals is sponsored by manscape the global leaders in men's below the waist grooming manscape offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels and is now available in the usa canada and the uk even australia and new zealand we have exclusive offer for you race fans right now Use Stick Signals 21. Yes, use Stick Signals 21 to get 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Join the movement and the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped worldwide. And also grab your official merchandise of the World of Outlaws event t shirts went by like hotcakes. Uh, so 
I mean, whatever's left at store.worldofoutlaws.com. Grab your official merchandise of the World of Outlaws and be an outlaw. We talk about insider access, adrenaline impact audio and video content, VIP perks, swags you can't swag you can't get anywhere else. Start the challenge. Show the world you are an outlaw and experience the next level of the greatest shows on dirt start the challenge at beanoutlaw.com mick i know you're a busy man uh you're working on some stuff for that aren't you can we get a little sneak peek or no uh, i'm making i'm making some sort of um some greatest hits videos right now that'll come out to the being outlaw members shortly um some stuff that's in the vault some throwback uh some stuff from syracuse mike up your way Ooh. and uh some good sprint car races some stuff from the 80s and the 90s uh, now, now you, hold on you say syracuse are we, yeah. are we talking late model race from syracuse there will there will be interviews and interactions from the 1980 race there at syracuse the batmobile race that's big Ooh, that's a big one yeah beingoutlaw.com check it out race fans so Today, ep- today on episode number nine of Stick Signals, we talk to none other than the voice of the World of Outlaws, Morton Building's Late Model Series, aka my hero, the Rick Eshelman. All right, here we are with the voice of the World of Outlaws, Morton Building's Late Model Series, the Rick Eshelman. Rick, let's start here. How'd you get into dirt track racing and announcing? Uh, well, got to go way back to the early seventies. When I was realizing I wanted to be an announcer, I used to do a, I guess a voiceover, if you will, on an old Panasonic cassette tape recorder of my home track, which was Flat Rock Speedway. And I pretend like I was, you know, doing announcing and I ended up turning it into the president of ARC at the time, the late John Markham, and told him I'd love to be an announcer. And they said, well, maybe, you know, one day you'll get a chance. Well, April of 79, season opener, I was set to work the turn one gate to let the cars off the track into the pits. And they said, our announcer didn't show up. You want to give it a shot? I said, heck yeah. So that night I did it. And I think I hit it pretty good. And like they say, the rest is history from there. Well, you, you raced a little bit yourself, right? You drove a car uh, from what I hear? I did a few things. Um, did uh, what they call an officials race in, on a little quarter mile paved track in Toledo driving a street stock with late mile tires I thought I was flying I got lapped about four times tried driving a dirt car sportsman at Oakshade Raceway thought I was doing great there cars were lapping me when I was doing hot laps ran a few enduros um, did okay there actually finished one enduro my first one on pavement at Flat Rock started 52nd out of 132 cars Finished 16th and drove it home the four and a half mile trip back to my house. But I also burned one down in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And uh, I pretty much realized that I belong up in the booth and not in the car. <laughs> there was 132 cars there? Yeah, that was back in the old days of Enduros when they started well over 100 cars, 200 laps or two hours. There was no push truck or jam car or anything like that to get the wreckage out of the way. You drove through it or around it. That's when Enduro was real racing. Gotcha. So let's talk about the announcing side. Give us a time you asked the driver something and it didn't go well. Oh, God. Uh, The one that comes to mind is when I was the announcer at Eldora Speedway between 2000 and the 2003 season. We had the historical big one, 100,000 win for wing sprint cars. And... Checkered flag is about to fly, and P.J. Chesson picks up the victory. It was only his second career sprint car victory ever. So I'm heading down to victory lane. He's doing 360 after 360 after 360, just lighting it up, climbs up on top of the wing, 
jumps off the car, rolls the helmet down the front stretch, comes running to victory lane. I'm thinking, God, this is going to be the greatest interview ever. So I get him up on stage. I said, PJ, coming out of turn number four for the checkered flag at $100,000, the biggest win of your career, what was going through your mind? And he folded his arms and he looked at me dead serious and said, snails, big trees, <laughs> fishing. And I about dropped the mic and had no clue where to go from there. I thought, wow, then this guy drives a race car. It was, The crowd even was like, what? <laughs> they all just looked at each other, snails, fishing, and big trees, and you're going to win 100 grand? Well, it just proves that that's about how they were because they got halfway to Knoxville after that and forgot to pick up the 100,000 cash that Earl had waiting for him. So, yeah, that makes total sense. Whoops. <laughs> Give us a, a crazy Rick announcer story. Well, I would have to say probably one of them was a faux pas at Delaware International Speedway, big paperclip half mile in Delmar, Delaware, where the outlaws ran there. And Bobby Lake had a driver named Doug Horton, and he started last in his heat. And there, passing cars was awful tough, big half mile flat, not a lot of banking, so very tough. Well, Horton kept picking them off, lap after lap in the 10-lap heat. And coming out of turn four, I said, it's hard to believe, but it's going to happen. Doug Horton's going to win this heat from dead nuts last. <laughs> Everybody looked at me and said, did you just say dead nuts? And I thought, oh, God, yes, I just said dead nuts. <laughs> That's pretty so that, good. that was probably embarrassing, I guess you would say. How how long have you been announcing? Um, from April of 79, this will be the completion of my 43rd year in November. Wow, that's impressive. So how, how many states and how many tracks have you announced at? Um, I believe uh, it's around 33 states and about 250 tracks. I think Lakeview in South Carolina for the Dry Dean Extreme Dirt Car Series was my 250th different. And it looks like this year, if the schedule holds up with, you know, weather and everything, should be about seven more new ones to add to that list. So it's exciting this year. Gotcha. Rick, you've you've about done it all in your career. You're one of the best in the business. A lot of people look up to you. Um, let's talk about some of the biggest events you've announced. I know you've done a lot. Well, obviously, the biggest one is the only dirt late model race in the country or in the world that ever paid a million dollars to win. I got to do that one. I did the richest sprint car race in the history of sprint cars. That was the million-dollar Mopar million, 200,000 to win, the Jack Hottenshield won. And, of course, you know, being able to do the Dream, the World 100, the Dirt Track World Championship, Firecracker, a lot of the crown jewels, you know, that that is probably something. But, you know, doing – one of them that comes to mind was doing pit road for the final race at the Moody Miles, Syracuse Fairground, New York State Fairgrounds in Syracuse. I got to do paint road in the final driver introduction and victory lane there. And that really, you know, that just, I felt proud to be a part of something like that. And of course, world finals and the driving extreme dirt car series is great. And of course the world short track championship. I've been fortunate. I've been blessed. God gave me a voice to speak with, and my mother gave me the gift of gab coming from England, and it, it just all came together, and I've just been fortunate. Uh, your hard work has paid off. Talk about being honored in uh, Michigan from the Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club. Now, that was kind of an oddball surprise. Um, I had lived in Michigan from the time I was born until 2004 when I moved south, and in 2011, I got a phone call, and they said, would you like to come up to the 
Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame uh, banquet. And I thought, well, that's cool. You know, I get a chance to go up and see my family and I'll go up there. So it wasn't planning on anything. And they come up and they said, you have just won the Tom Carnegie announcer of the year for 2011. And that was quite an honor. And especially I received the first ever Carnegie trophy that had both the microphones and his picture on the trophy. Every other recipient all the way up to 2010 never had that. Of course, you know, Carnegie and Indianapolis Motor Speedway for years. That was uh, quite an honor, and I still have that trophy today. Let's get to know you a little bit better, Rick. I know you love to do a bunch of track chasing. We did that when you came down to my neck of the woods. Tell the fans about your track chasing. Well, this is a can of worms that gets opened every time I mention it and someone else responds. So we're going we're gonna to go over the ground rules here, guys. There is track chasers. There is race chasers. I am neither. I am a track visitor. And I'll explain to you why in a Reader's Digest version. Randy Lewis from California is the world's greatest track chaser and race chaser. He's been to 2,600 tracks in 85 countries, and he's seen action in checkered flags at every one. So, yeah, everybody says, well, he is it. He is it, obviously, just by numbers. But then you have people that only count tracks if they've seen action. You have other people that only count tracks if they've seen a feature with a checkered flag. I strictly go by my own set of rules, which is basically I've just been there. If I've stepped foot on the grounds, whether it's still there, whether there's just a partial bit of the track left, maybe just one building and a light pole. But if you have the location and there was racing there of some sort, then I count it. I don't count motocross tracks and I only count paved and dirt, road courses and go-kart tracks and ovals and drag strips. And that's it. So a perfect example, um, you go to a place like Volusia. Now, a typical person would say Volusia had a half mile paved and a half mile dirt and a three-eighths paved and a three-eighths dirt. And now they got a go-kart track. So they count five tracks. I count it as three. The half mile is still a half mile paved or dirt. The three-eighths mile was a three-eighths mile paved or dirt. And now the, that's gone, and there's a go-kart track, which is a totally new configuration replacing the old place. So I counted as three tracks. And, yeah, I've seen action and checkered flags at all three, but the point is I've been to a place that has three tracks. So that's pretty much how I do it. I'm at 1565, and, you know, and that's in 37 states. The three states that I haven't seen a track in yet, Mick, you showed me one I got to check out, is going to be California and Alaska and Hawaii. And I'm hoping to get to one of those three this summer to knock it off the list. I want to get a track in all 50 states. I've had tracks in Canada that I've actually announced at and been to and tracks in Australia, one of which I announced at, which was the Perth Motorplex. So I've actually got three countries in there. Not quite Randy Lewis grade, but, you know, I'm proud of what I've done. It's just something for me. It's just, you know, it's a hobby. It's nothing more than that. And when I feed the worms and I'm no longer here, you know, it's not going to mean anything but to me when I take it with me to heaven. So there you are. I know you want to go visit tracks in Hawaii and Alaska. Do you have any plans in the future of doing that? Hopefully this summer, Alaska may be in the cards and uh, get that. There's only a six or seven, eight tracks in Alaska I can visit. So I've got them mapped out, as you have seen on my atlas. They're mapped out um, from Fairbanks to Juneau is basically the uh, extent of that. And I can knock that entire state out. So that'll be kind of cool. And that'd leave me two states to see action in. 
and, and or at least see a track in, and that would be Hawaii and California. Been to California, but only at LAX airport, which was a layover until we got to Australia. So I've been there, just haven't seen anything yet. Which tracks have you been to? I'm from Oregon, so I'm just curious which tracks in Oregon, Washington you've been to. Oh, you want to bring that up? Huh? It's going to take me a second, but I can basically when we went to Idaho and Montana for a vacation, we actually came in Oregon and I've got the tracks right here. And I'm sure, Mick, that these are going to probably ring a bell to you just due to the fact that, uh, OK, you know this track, you know that track. So real quickly, Oregon tracks that I've been to. Let's see if you've heard of any of these places in Oregon, the old Elgin Outlaw Speedway. Wow, yeah. The old the old Hermiston Oval. Yep. The Malheur County Fair. Mm. Pleasant Valley, Pleasant Valley Drag, and Walla Walla County Fair. <laughs> wow, those are all the eastern. So you haven't been to like Willamette or Cottage Grove, any of those? I, I've got a plan to the western part. Now, in Washington, the same thing. Spokane County. Spokane County drag, the road course yeah. at Spokane County, the Spokane Fair, and the Walla Walla drag. And I, I misspoke on the last one in Oregon. It was the Walla Walla. Yes, Walla Walla and Walla Walla are different. Walla. <laughs> yeah, Walla Walla kind of cool. I got to say I was in Walla Walla, Washington. So well, if you get back to Eastern Washington, you should check out Wenatchee. It's it's a paved oval, but it's it's a beautiful track, beautiful location. That is the plan. I've got plans to go to both Oregon and Washington with about well, I can tell you exactly how many tracks I want to see out there. Um, Oregon has 23 tracks that I want yeah. to look at. Washington has 30. So there that's, you go. That's a big number. Yeah. But, I mean, of the tracks that I've been to in the 37 states, I've actually seen 106 tracks in Indiana alone. Wow. And now the new one. Circle City Raceway, which we're going to this year with both the Summer Nationals and World of Outlaws, that'll be another one to add. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Now, Illinois has a lot of tracks. How, how many tracks have you been to in Illinois, Rick? Because I know you have it You have it checked off. Illinois is one of those that uh, actually is up there. Um, like I said, 106 in Indiana to date. And, of course, that could change. But uh, top tracks right now, 92 in Ohio, 80 in Alabama, 71 in North Carolina, 69 in PA, 64 in Iowa, 63 in Illinois, 59 in Wisconsin, Georgia, 56, Mississippi and Tennessee, 55, Florida, 53, Michigan, 51, Missouri, 50, and still a lot to see in a lot of those wow. things. Wow, it, it's, it's amazing, Mick. You should see it. Uh, when I get to ride with Rick, he has an atlas, and, and the atlas has its state, you know, all the states, and he has them highlighted, circled. If it's an X he's been to, he has them all uh, listed out in, in a word doc. It, it's it's really cool. His little system that he has going and all, all the ones he wants to hit. It's fun. Well, the thing is, I purchased the, I purchased the 2021 Atlas, so it's all cleaned up now and nice and neat. So it's a lot that's, easier. That's amazing. <laughs> we talk about Atlas, Rick. Welcome to the 21st century. You you finally got an iPhone, and it's funny because Rick will show me all these videos on his flip phone before he got the iPhone. Uh, you know, pictures and videos of every single track. I love it. It's fascinating. And now he gets to do it on an iPhone. Rick, have you done that on the iPhone yet? No, and that's what I'm looking forward to on this next trip is to be able to maybe catch a track here or there that I can put on there just to see how, um, you know, the technology has changed. And you got to admit, my <laughs> phone had some great video because you were even there when we did a couple of track chasings. 
But I, on an iPhone, I, was I, very I can't impressed. even imagine how it's going to turn out. I'm waiting to do that. But uh, you brought up a good point. Yes, I will always have Flipper with me. Let's get that straight. And on the record, Flipper will never go away. But with that being said, between Flipper, an Atlas, a GPS, and now Waze app, which I downloaded on my phone. Very good. Yeah, downloaded wow. on my phone. Yes, you heard it right. I will be able to find every track. And I have Siri loaded, and Siri will help me find track. <laughs> it's amazing. Rick is evolving, and I love it. By the way, this Stick Signals episode is being recorded on his iPhone. Just just, just throwing that out there. So Flippy is kind of going a little bit it to is, the side. It is. <laughs> yes, it, we are on the iPhone. And I was even looking at basketball scores while I was talking to you. Imagine doing that on Flipper. Wow, this is big. This is big. And uh, Rick, I know, I know you you love to play on your iPhone. You have a little bit of games. What do you play on your iPhone? I actually took them all off now because it's starting to get busy into the season, and there's just not going to be the time to do it. So unfortunately, there's nothing on there now. They're all gone. I uh, got to where, as you saw on Twitter, you tweet, I tweet. We're, you know. Um, trying to keep everybody posted on what's going on. So I'm back to that now. And uh, it's pretty much business as usual starting off because we're going to get busy here at the end of the month. So it'll be time to start sending stuff out and getting information and all that good stuff. And of course, World of Outpaws will be in full swing. Ah, speaking of World of Outpaws, I think one of the first times I hung out with you, Rick, was at uh, Cedar Lake for the USA Nationals. 2019 and i rode around with you on the golf cart we did some registration stuff and i was lugging a camera and i you stopped at every every single trailer that had a dog we stopped to give it a treat talk a little bit about your love for animals and and dogs in particular well that ties in good to what i was going to say is the fact that uh, you know i had a dog when i was a kid and she lived to be eight we had to put her down it was the worst day of my life but i've always loved dogs and no matter where i've lived i've usually haven't been able to have a dog due to this restriction or that restriction so i just kind of adopt them all and um, melvin is the one that suggested that, that i start an instagram page and give it a name and go around and do it so i called it world of outpaws thanks to wes Irwin from the sprint cars got the from him and um i've been taking pictures of dogs and i'll put them up and if there's some a driver to tag i'll tag them in it and you know i'll put it on my twitter but i've already realized that i'm probably eventually going to catch grief from some fan hey why is this world of outpaws because i said it's all woofies all the time which is what i've always called dogs so i've already got a backup plan guys and you're going to hear it here first the first person that comes up to me with a cat I'm going to be ready for him because I'm going to have <laughs> World of Outlaws. I will be ready for you, and a cat will go on World of Outlaws. I love it. You're getting the head of the curve. Got to. You got to stay up on this stuff. I just realized that with this kind of technology, geez, oh, Pete, there's a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I mean, Rick barely learned how to retweet the other day, and I love it because you go to the yeah. profile and it's all retweet, 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 retweet. <laughs> That's awesome. But yes, you can follow his world about paws on Instagram. That's his Instagram account. So Rick has Instagram and Twitter. His Twitter is at Rick underscore Eshelman. Really cool. Go follow him on there, guys. And yeah, world about paws is really nice. Nope, a lot of fun, guys. Just having fun with it, trying to interact with the fans, keep them interested. And, you know, there's so many different avenues that they can go these days for entertainment. I think our sport is one of the best to follow. We don't get political. We don't get, you know, any of those platforms other than racing. That's what we do. That's what we love. That's what we encourage. 
And I'm glad that dirt track racing is in the stage it's in right now. And it's only getting better, guys. That's a true story. Rick, you you were in the Air Force for a little while. Talk a little bit about your time uh, serving the country in the Air Force. Oh, boy, that's a great story there. I decided um, in 1981, I had graduated high school in 79. In 81, I decided, you know what? I need to do something. I realized college wasn't for me. It just, I wasn't interested. So I went into the service and served in the United States Air Force in Grand Forks, North Dakota for four years. The cool thing was that my sergeant, who was in charge of me for the entire four years while I was there, was also a racer from Wisconsin. He had a dirt lake model, and we went every Friday night to what was then the Grand Forks County Speedway in Grand Forks, North Dakota, now known as River City Speedway. So I was fortunate enough to get in there and be the announcer for the four years I was in the service. So I served my country by day and announced races by That's night. That's pretty cool. And you, you talk about how cold it was up there. How about the day I got out of basic training was 75 degrees in San Antonio, Texas. The flight took me to Atlanta where it was 85. Then it went up north to Michigan where I lived. It was 15. We got to Minneapolis. It was 15 below Grand Forks, North Dakota, January 1st. 1982 it was 31 degrees below zero temperature <laughs> that's that's too cold I wonder who in the world i made mad to get sent there <laughs> i mean you guys had to spend most of your time probably de-icing airplanes and stuff if it's that cold like and like isn't jeff you'll just gel at that point um no actually what happens is um up there all of the fuel has treatment in it and most of it is alcohol and rubbing alcohol, that, that type of nature, de depropyl alcohol, it keeps it from gelling up. But a lot of the things, especially the diesel engine vehicles, would run 24-7 until you had them inside where it was warmer. Because, yes, it would turn to jello in a heartbeat. And I would never forget, I went to a Walmart, and I drove up there, and they said, are you going to plug your car? And I said, plug it into what for what? <laughs> well, you had a, a block heater for the engine to keep the oil warm you had a heater for the battery if you chose you had a heater that you could plug in for your radiator keep the antifreeze from freezing because it gets so freaking cold there it's amazing but uh i learned a lot definitely learned a lot from living in north dakota and loved every minute of it so that was just another fun part of life at an early age rick thanks for your service again and uh i know when you were up there we got to go back to this topic real quick you raced that enduro and and uh cory litton actually sent this to me and i'm gonna i'm gonna have to share it when this episode releases um there was a newspaper article that showed the vehicle that caught fire when you were racing talk about that yeah it was a 63 checker cab with a flathead six-cylinder engine three-speed transmission on the column and I'm out there just flying. About 90 laps in, I guess the fan belt must have come off. And my sergeant was waving for me to come in. And I thought he meant, go, go, go. Well, I just kept going. And I watched the temperature gauge, 200, 220, 240, 260, 280. I said, oh, that's not good. I better pull off. So I pulled off. And right as I got off the racetrack, big thrash in the engine. And I saw a spark through the firewall, and then I thought, oh, crap, probably must have, oil must have caught on fire. So I got out, and they came over to put it out, and the fire extinguishers wouldn't work. They emptied every fire extinguisher they had there. By then, the whole car was aflame, and they had to call the fire department in to put it out. Well, when you call the fire department, you automatically make the police blotter that a fire truck was dispatched. 
So that was my claim to fame, my first ever race. That's that's amazing, and I'm gonna have to share the news article. It's it's uh it's very very cool. Rick, let's get to know you a little bit more. What what other hobbies do you have? Oh, basically, um, I love uh, rock music, and uh, talk to Scott Bloomquist a little bit. He's kind of a rock trivia person, so am I. You know, there'll be a song on the radio or you know on satellite or whatever, and I'll be able to tell you what it was, who it was, and possibly even what album it came from. Just one of those oddball things that, again, never makes any sense to anybody but me, but uh, just one of those things. And uh, obviously going to racetracks, that's my biggest thing. But um, the love of dogs, I exercise, that's about it. I, I lead a pretty boring no, life. No, no, you don't. Because you're, uh, in my eyes, you're a rock star. Rick, talk about getting, getting in shape. I know when I first met you, um, you took me out for a run and that went well for the first, I don't know, first part of the mile. And after that, you kicked my butt, but, uh, I know you do a lot of fitness. Talk about that. Well, it's the idea of, um, I saw my father, God rest his soul, just basically waste away to nothing because once he retired at age 62, he retired from everything and his muscles got weak. He got old, unfortunately cancer took him, but I see so many people, that are either my age or even not my age that are so out of shape that by the time they reach my age, they're going to be so out of it to not be able to do anything. I don't want to be that way. I want to be as healthy as possible. I want to be around to see my granddaughter grow up. I want to be around, you know, to see how the world changes. And the only way to do that, unfortunately, comes by trial and error. And me, I never met a meal I haven't liked. And unfortunately, I paid for it. I would treat my body in the past like a roller coaster. You know, <laughs> I'd, I'd be up one minute on exercise, and the next minute I'd eat a whole pizza. Then I'd go run a couple miles, and then I'd eat three double cheeseburgers. It's just one of those things to where you have to learn what to eat and how much to eat. And since then, for the last, well, going on now six years, since 2016, I uh, have tried to keep my weight down. I weigh 275, boys. In 2015, on Eldora scales, and I said, "That is it. I'm done." Well, I let myself backslide a couple of times. Got up to 245, 236 a couple of times. Just weighed myself a day ago, and I'm 214. I can run up to four miles without stopping, and I'll be 60 this year. So wow. I think that I'm doing pretty well. I think you're doing quite well, Rick. Tell me the the story about how how you found Young Ruben. Well, I'm, I was on my way out to Tucson to do the Wild West shootout um, in Tucson, Arizona, and I had heard of Ruben. I had seen some videos from Kelly Carlton about this young kid who was just enthusiastic and was just kicking butt out there on the microphone. And I watched those videos, and I thought, wow, this kid's even better than I was when I started. And I thought, i got to see this dude. So we get out there and I meet him. I thought, wow, what a nice kid. He was raised well by his parents. He's got good manners. And then it came time to go get food for everybody. <laughs> and he got orders from everybody. I want this to drink. I want that to snack on. So I told him, Ruben, I want, I believe, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Ruben, I thought I wanted a Diet Mountain Dew maybe or a Diet Coke and a bag of chips. And a bag of chips. And chips. Ruben comes back and hands everybody their stuff. And but they, he gets this and she gets that. And he hands me the Coke and I look at him and like, where's the chips? He forgot the <laughs> chips. And I wrote him the entire 10 days we were out there about how everybody got their food but my bag of chips. <laughs> 
But I will tell you one thing, Nick. If you yep. want Ruben to get your food, plan on it two years in advance. <laughs> because it took forever to get the chips. Then when Melissa and I went out to Vado last year for the first race of the season, <laughs> she discovered Green Chili Ranch. And it's the greatest dressing she said she's ever had. Well, she said, Ruben, would you please send me something? I'll be glad to. February of 2021, Mick, is when <laughs> Melissa got her green chili ranch. Well, it's like a fine scotch. You've got to let it age. It's like exactly. putting it in the in the post office. You may get it. You may not. <laughs> <laughs> oh. See, the thing about the ranch, though, it had to stay cold because I, I ain't going to lie. I have a strong stomach. But when if there's one thing that is going to make me gag, the only thing that's going to make me gag, it is old rotten ranch. And I don't like old rotten ranch. So I, I just didn't. I'm not, I've never shipped anything in my life, if I'm being honest. So I don't know how to like keep it cold or something like that. But anyway, that was the reason why. But hey, it's been delivered. Yeah, it's a, that's the thing that makes him sick. The thing that makes him ship something is calling him 42 times in a year. <laughs> that gets the job done. Oh boy. But hey, it got delivered. Anyway, this guy just wants you to call me, Rick. That's it. I, I love talking to you. It did get delivered. I got to give him credit. He did come through. Now we'll see when the second batch comes. Yes, that, that, will, yeah. that will be at but Cherokee. He, see, the one thing that he isn't telling you i can tell you why he didn't ship it right away because i think i embarrassed the living daylights out of him when we went to a real mexican restaurant <laughs> tell that story. Yes. so i take rick so we're track chasing and which by the way rick's 1400th racetrack was in new mexico the day before the race of auto i was the 1000 oh that's right. Just kidding. That's right. It was the 1,000. It's right. crazy that you're at 1565 now. So you've gone to 565 tracks since last year at January. That's unreal. Right. Right. Anyway, that was Rick's 1,000th racetrack, and we went out. It's been a long day in the sun and the heat, and Rick's all like, you know what? Let's go to a nice, nice restaurant, uh, you know, good, um, real Mexican food. And all right, I took him, and we're at the table, and they actually order pretty good, good dishes, and Rick decides to pull out of his pocket a jar of Taco Bell hot sauce. Oh my God. And I'm like, Rick, I'm like, Rick, what are you doing? There's literally good green and red salsa on the table. And he pulled out this jar of Taco Bell hot sauce that he bought at Walmart. I'm like, Rick, if someone were to see you right now, you'd probably be kicked probably, out. Like <laughs> it took me on the street and threw stones at me, but See, the, most of it, all, most of the sauce in your Mexican restaurants, Mick, especially out in the Southwest, is hot. Well, I got the Taco Bell mild sauce. It's good sauce. It was in a jar. I pour it on my food, put it back in my pocket, eat some. Then when I needed some more, pour some on there, put it back in my pocket. It was all good. <laughs> it, oh, when there's literally good sauce on the table, just unreal. I know. Uh, some of the I, spots I, I went to it. at Las Cruces were amazing. Oh, yeah, definitely. We'll have to all uh, get lunch when you guys come back down in my neck of the woods again but um rick i mean do you have any final thoughts anything you want to say um i'm just uh like i said i'm glad that our our form of sport in this country is thriving while others continue to struggle through whatever you know conditions they may be facing and uh you know race fans are supporting it and i've noticed one thing and i don't know if you guys have noticed it as much but i kind of watch the message boards and I see a lot less complaining over the last year about things at racetracks than I ever have. And I think it's due to the fact that everybody appreciates the fact that we are out there still doing what we do. And I just hope that trend continues after we are, quote unquote, back to a normal way of life, that people will remember that they didn't complain for this last year. They 
appreciated what we were able to do. Hope that appreciation will continue with the race fans and make our sport even stronger than it already is. I agree. I, I do think that with all the hurdles, I think there's some humbling that has sort of happened, you know, last year's been rough on everybody. And right. I think dirt racing has really kind of carried the candle well. Well, the last thing I wanted to touch on before we go is the fact that um, we all know it. You can ask any driver like Scott Bloomquist, Rick Eckert, Dale McDowell, those that have been in this sport a while. You can ask James Essex. You can ask me. We are at the pinnacle of our careers. We know we don't have much time left. My plan is to go through the 2028 season and then that's the time when the microphone gets hung up. I may, you know, make an appearance here or there and do a show here or there. But without guys like Ruben, without guys like Dustin Jarrett, without guys like Hunter Jordan, the young kid from Pennsylvania, the sport is going to die off. We need youth. We need that enthusiasm. We need that type of, well, basically race fan to become race official. And without them, this sport isn't going to have much of a future. So guys like that that I just mentioned, they are the reason that we continue to have a great sport because we're starting to filter in the younger generation. I just hope that younger generation can pass what they learn on to the next one after we're completely out of the sport. And uh, we just got to keep it going because this is the best sport there is. It's better than else. It is true sport and true fans and just you know the best way to spend your hard-earned money on a friday saturday or sunday night you get entertained you have fun you go home i agree and life is good that's true and, and rick honestly that's true and, and again this is this this is this podcast is not about me or it's not about Mick. it's about the people that we interview and this is about you but real quick i want to thank you literally from the bottom of my heart for giving me the opportunity to do the dirt car summer nationals and, you know, be your pit reporter for the outlaws. It's, you know, it's been a dream come true. And, and you're just an inspiration to so many people. So thank you for being Rick Kesselman. Well, I will say again, you know, thank you for the recognition. But Mick, I think you know as well as I do, someone has to earn their spot. They don't get it handed to them. Ruben paid his dues early and he's went about it the right way. He's got a lot of learning to do. And I'll be the first to tell him. And I think he'll agree that I've told him that. But the point is... He didn't get that because I said I think he should do it. He got that because of what he can do and what he's going to be able to do in the future. He's got, you know, potential, just like so many of these other young guys that are out there trying to make it in the sport. But like I said, Ruben brought up a good point. The show is the drivers. The show is the speedway. The show is the action. We are not the show. We are just there to make the show better. And as all those younger younger people keep that in mind and don't let their ego cross through that gate check it at the gate before you come in you know and then you'll be able to work for a great company like world racing group like the world of outlaws like dirt car you know that is what i think it's all about to work with the best you have to be the best so he's working mick right now as the summer nationals announcer also doing pit reporting for the World of Outlaws, Morton Buildings, Late Model Series. There's no reason he will not be on the top before long. So, you know, when you work for a company like this, you work for the best, you work with the best, you become the best. 
And I, I just think that, you know, the future is bright, at least as far as World Racing Group is concerned, with the people we have in place at Dervision. Dervision is the greatest asset to our company right now, you know, bringing racing all over the world to people and from all over the world. You can't ask for a better combination. It is just a great time to be a dirt racing person right now. All right. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's very true. And Rick, thank you so much for joining us on the Sticks and Signals. We appreciate it. Absolutely. I would, I would like to thank both of you guys and uh, obviously World Racing Group for having me on. And um, I'm interested to see what kind of picture is going to go on the website. This ought to be good. Oh, yeah. I get to make a graphic for you. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. uh, as long as it's not the Uncle Sam suit, I think we're in good standing. <laughs> <laughs> what a character Rick Eshelman is. I mean, you ask this guy for a story, he's going to give you a good story and a good laugh. I it just, it's always, it's never a dull moment with Rick Eshelman. No, Rick. It's never a problem getting Rick to talk for sure. And, and what's funny is, you know, he was just on uh, another podcast, Dirt Dirt Nerds, and I'm, I'm not sure they even told the same story on both episodes. So never ending stories there with Mr. Eshelman. Yeah, never ending. Uh, gotta love Rick. All right. Well, um, this weekend, obviously, we're off with the World of Outlaws Morton Buildings Late Model Series, and uh, you can still watch racing on Dirt Vision, presented by Dryden. If you have that Fast Pass or Platinum Pass this Friday, April 16th, the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series are uh, somewhat closer to my neck of the woods. Uh, they're in Lawton, Oklahoma, the Lawton Speedway, and then uh, Attica Raceway Park has their weekly racing on Dirt Vision as well that Friday night. And then Saturday, April 17th, the World of Outlaws are at the Devil's Bowl Speedway in Mesquite, Texas. That's going to be a good show. Uh, I got to announce Modifieds at Devil's Bull Mick, uh, I think two, two, three years ago. And that place, it's big, but uh, it's definitely going to showcase some speed at Devil's Bull Speedway with the World of Outlaws. And then Knoxville Raceway season opener. Don't forget with that Dirt Vision Fast Pass, you get every race uh, live from Knoxville. That's pretty cool. So you get that Knoxville Raceway season opener. Then the Perth Motorplex season finale, Australia uh, closing up. And by the way, Mick, now we're talking about Australia yesterday. My good friend from Bunbury, West Australia, Paul Stubber gave me a phone call. Really? Yeah, uh, yeah, he gave me a call, and I told him we'd love to have you on Stick Signal. So we're definitely gonna have to get Paul Stubber on here at some point. For sure. And yeah, he told me he's like, man, uh, Australia, everything's uh, going good. It's just they're not letting us leave the country just quite yet. Mm -hmm. um, so he's hoping to get down for the summer nationals. We'll get more into detail on that. We'll have him on Stick Signals at some point for us, our good Australian friends. Uh, but yeah, Perth Motorplex season finale on Dirt Vision. Presented by Dryding. That might be your only chance to see late models this weekend because I believe that they, they run late models there, don't they? Don't they have super lates in yes. the finale? Oh, yeah. So there you go, late model there fans. Some, uh, yeah. that'll, that'll end up actually being Sunday morning for the feature there. So a little Sunday morning late model brunch for you guys. Yeah, there you go. So there you go. Get get ready to go to church and right out of church, you get to watch some late models. Bam. You're in. <laughs> that's, Depends that's, on what church you go to. It might be before. I think it's usually on. A, the feature's <laughs> about 6 a.m. So uh, there definitely you go. worth waking up for, though. Or exactly. staying up for it. Depends on and how you want to do it. And it's on the vault, too, if you miss it. Miss yep. it. It's always yeah, in the vault a week later. Exactly. All right, race fans. I always said episode number 10 of Stick Signals. Going to be grand. I'm going to say grand because we're going to talk to. Uh, let's just be honest right now. We're going to try to talk to Devin Moran, Daryl Lanigan, Kyle Strickler, uh, and... It's going to be big. It's going to be a big episode. We're going to set you guys up for uh, Richmond and Brush Creek, and then we are ready for another three-week string, so a uh, swing. So, Mick, um, you have a lot of work to do, but try to rest, all right? Try to rest. I'm going to rest tonight. That's it. And yeah, there's I, no rest, I, <laughs> no sleep till Brooklyn. I, 
I got I had no sleep till Brooklyn. <laughs> I got three exams coming up next week. But hey, we'll get it done. Race fans, thank you so much for supporting Stick Signals. As always, let us know at Jess McFour at Dynamite underscore Ruben. This has been episode number nine of Stick Signals. See you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>